The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at HeftyRenew.com. Welcome back to the Rock Chalk Podcast. I'm your host, Andy Mitz. It is a special midweek bonus episode for you guys. Uh, I kind of teased it. Oh, actually, I didn't tease it. I just set out right exactly what was going on. Um, you know, we do have coming on the podcast for an absolutely fantastic interview, Tony Sands, former running back for the Kansas Jayhawks. He's in the National uh, College Hall of Fame, you know, for his uh, 58 rushing attempts against Missouri Brook record that still stands today. So uh, ha- had a great conversation with him, kind of talked about a bunch of different things, you know, how, how he came to Kansas, some of his favorite memories and some of the things that he is, you know, repping right now, some of the things that he's doing kind of caught up with what he's done with his life after football and kind of how, how he got to where he is today. So it's a really great conversation. Um, and, you know, I do want, because of how great that conversation was, I didn't want to have to come back in afterwards uh, to, you know, to go ahead and do a wrap up or anything like that. I just want to leave the end of his of his message and what we talk about there as kind of the final thing. So uh, do all of our podcast business kind of upfront here, um, you know, which it's been a long time since I've done a non or I'm sorry, an Olympic sport update. So I want to make sure that we hit all of those program, especially the ones that are still going along. Um, and we'll do all of our ad stuff and everything up here up front um, because while I still need to do it, I definitely don't want to take away from the Tony Sands interview at the very end. So, you know, up front, just kind of want to talk, first of all, you know, again, everyone is still really enjoying. I listened to Lance Leipold's um, press conference that he had uh, earlier today from when I'm recording this. Um, and we'll, we'll definitely have some thoughts about that and how that's going to affect the TCU game coming up and all of that. Um, but, you know, still reveling in the win there and the extra value that comes from that huge Kansas win with a sponsor here on the podcast. Uh, that is Symbol. Symbol is a stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you earn cash. Use that sports knowledge you have on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the 8,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams and have already started to make some money like I did with Kansas when they won. Um, you know, Actually, their, their value has jumped up a little bit more than I was expecting it to at this point. Um, hopefully, it'll, it'll keep going there, but... Uh, Go over to Symbol.com, that's S-I-M-B-U-L-L.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code CHALK12 so you can get a money-back guarantee. Yes, that's right. I've been talking about it for the last few weeks here. But what they are doing now is giving everybody here on the 1012 Network that money-back guarantee up to the first $500 that you deposit. You know, if, if you get in there, you want to give it a try, see how it's all working out. If you end up losing money in the first 90 days that you have and decide, hey, this just isn't for me. Let Symbol know. They'll give you a full refund of that initial deposit up to $500. Uh, so it's, it's a great way for you to get in, see what it's all about, have some fun, enjoy yourself, and, you know, have, have a no-risk money-back guarantee at that point. So uh, head on over there. Use promo code CHALK12. Go, go to Symbol.com. Use promo code CHALK12. Get a money-back guarantee for up to $500. Go over there and start investing in, in your favorite teams today. All right. So. Non-revenue sports, I'm sorry, Olympic sport, I always say that. It's the Olympic sports, that update, 
Um, you know, Kansas volleyball uh, is still going on at this point, actually. Uh, you know, they've had a rough few weeks. They, the, the last, or they, they won against uh, Iowa State at the beginning of the, of the, uh, of the month of October, actually. Um, won one of two matches there. They then unfortunately got swept. I think we actually have talked a little bit about that one. Uh, lost both matches to Texas, although they were really close to winning that first match against Texas. Um, lost both matches against Baylor, number 11 ranked Baylor on the road. Lost both of those three sets to one. Um, and then split with Oklahoma, lost the first game at home, three sets to two, won the second game, three sets to one. That was at the end of October. Um, and then this last weekend, um, I'm sorry, not this last weekend, but the weekend before, uh, they, they did lose, drop two sets in Morgantown against West Virginia. Uh, they do have TCU coming up this weekend, so definitely it is at home. If you can make it out to Lawrence, to the uh, the Horsey Family Volleyball Arena, definitely make your way out there because that's a good opportunity to support the women. It is going to be senior night uh, on November 20th, so definitely want to get out there and, and support the women there. Uh, they will wrap up the season next week against Kansas State in the Sunflower Showdown. Uh, so, so the season is coming to an end here. They do have an opportunity still. You know, they are twelve and eleven, so they'd have to make a run in the Big Twelve tournament in order to make an, uh, you know, in, in order to have an opportunity at the NCAA tournament. But um, definitely want to go out there and support the women and and really, you know, take that last opportunity that you have to 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 take a look at what the volleyball program is, is building out there. Um, I, I expect them to take a step forward next year. And it's just about building that foundation right now. So um, much like the football team is building that foundation, the volleyball team is doing the same sort of thing, really kind of building. So uh, men's golf, they they actually are done with the fall season for men's golf at this point. The next event that they have is not until February. Um, so, but they were involved, not including Big 12 match play that happened uh, in the middle of October. They were involved in five different tournaments and they took first place in four of them. So this is a fantastic showing already from the men's golf team. They are ranked nationally. Um, this is a team that I'm expecting to be really good going throughout the year. So it'll be really interesting to see how what they're able to do and, and how well they're able to make that push towards Big 12 championships and NCAA regionals. Uh, that will happen towards the end of, of, of the school year. So keep an eye on them. Again, they'll be back in action uh, back in, in next in February. So, so keep an eye and be ready for that when the, the, the women get kicked off as well. So, uh, And then finally, women's basketball. They have started the season 2-0 uh, with a, a home win against SIU Edwardsville, 98-62, to start the season back on November 10th. And then uh, on November 14th, that was just this last Sunday, they won at home against Tennessee State, 83-60. So two, two blowout wins. They do have a game coming up uh, on the 17th, uh, which would be Wednesday night. Uh, at 7 p.m. again at home against Omaha um, before they finish off the week, which would be this this Sunday coming up against St. Louis again, also at home. So uh, their first road game, well, actually their, their first game away from home will be at the South Point Shootout uh, coming up over the Thanksgiving week, uh, where they will play Tennessee and then UTEP for sure. So definitely pay attention to what they're doing there. There's an opportunity with with the way you know we. We did talk about Big 12 media days and kind of everything that they were bringing together. So um, definitely keep an eye on them. You know, um, it, it is it is getting to be winter weather. Uh, it's getting cold outside. There's definitely, um, you know, our, our next sponsor is where you can get the most comfortable T-shirts, hoodies, and sweaters uh, for any of the college sports teams that they actually have right now. And I, I'm sure Kansas will be there at some point. Hopefully it'll be sooner rather than later. Uh, but that is at new sponsor of the podcast here, Homefield Apparel. Homefield Apparel, the most comfortable vintage college sports apparel. That is T-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies. They have more than 100 schools available. They're adding new ones all the time. If you go over to homefieldapparel.com, use promo code SHOCK12. You can get 15% off of your entire first order. They have a ton of stuff, a ton of really great vintage logos. I guarantee you if you go over there and take a look, you're going to find some really cool stuff that you want to wear for schools that you absolutely have no allegiance to. And if, you know, if you're like me, you do have some other schools that you follow, some other schools that you are at least somewhat affiliated with, or you know people that went to those other schools, you're going to find a lot of great logos for a lot of schools that they have. I found some, some BYU ones that are fantastic. My wife, she absolutely absolutely loves owls so last year for christmas i got her a rice sweatshirt and then a temple t-shirt both have owl mascots she absolutely loves them they're super comfortable she wears them all the time she always steals mine as well because they're big enough you know for for her to wear for whatever and so um you are going to love 
anything you get from home field i guarantee it the 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 doggers that they have are absolutely fantastic great for the current weather that we're getting ready to go into so go over to home field apparel use promo code chalk 12 get 15 percent off your entire first order and all orders over 100 dollars get free shipping so all right um at this point i am going to go ahead throw it to a break we're going to do a few things uh, or i'm sorry talk about some of the other podcasts we have here on the 10 12 network when we come back tony sands will be with us absolutely great interview again make sure that you listen to this entire thing because there's a lot of fantastic information it was so great to have him on i learned a whole lot new about what he does he is repping some very very important organizations right now um so so you know before before i send it to the break real quick though if you haven't already you know because again i'm not coming back afterwards to do all the wrap-up and everything if you haven't already go out and and subscribe to the podcast just search for rock talk podcast wherever you get your podcast from you can um get every episode as soon as it comes out you can contact me on twitter or by email on twitter it's at rock chalk pod um by email it's rock chalk podcast at gmail.com make sure you visit all the different sponsors we have absolutely fantastic 1012 network over on twitter at ten12 network you can find links to all the podcasts all the shows to cover all the teams in the big 12 conference but uh but yeah that that's gonna do it for for me for this episode when we come back you have my interview with tony sands again absolutely phenomenal make sure you listen to the entire thing and we're gonna let that stand on its own thank you guys so much for listening and we will be right back on the rock chalk podcast basketball season is finally here big 12 fans and for your home for men's and women's basketball come to midwest madness we are doing game coverages going over game analysis, different rankings of teams, and consistently looking at the best matchups in the conference. You're not going to want to miss out on all the amazing basketball coverage we have, so go check out Midwest Madness. Available wherever you listen to podcasts. Here on the Rock Shock Podcast, we're happy to have a brand new sponsor, Gridiron Metalworks. Gridiron Metalworks is where you can get high-quality metal home goods for the college superfan in your life, whether that's you or someone else. Find collegiate-branded grill grates, griddles, or any number of home decor items, including flower pots, stainless steel bookends, coasters, and can coolers. All of these are in actual school colors, not just the, oh, it's really close colors that other manufacturers use. I personally have a Kansas desk plaque that has the Kansas Jayhawk head with the word Kansas next to it. Absolutely fantastic. Have it out on my on my uh, coffee table there. Everybody absolutely loves it whenever they come over. I have one of the stainless the, the stainless steel bookends too. It looks fantastic on my bookshelf. And I was able to have Gridiron make a sign with the Rock Chalk Podcast logo that hangs on my wall. It's absolutely fantastic. I love it. Um, you guys will love it too. Go to gridironmetal.com. Use promo code CHOCK12. You can get 15% off your entire first order, and all orders over $100 get free shipping. They have so many great things, whether it's grill grates, grill accessories, anything else you can think of. I promise you that when you go make your first order, you're going to get over $100 because they just have so much great stuff, whether it's for you or the other people in your life that are you know huge sports fanatics as well. Best part is everything at Gridiron Metal is high quality and made in the USA, and they continue to add new products for all the schools that they have all the time. I, you know, head over to Gridiron Metal, use that promo code CHOCK12, get 15% off your entire first order, and start saving today. This is Brandon Phoenix, a.k.a. I also hate Pit, joined by my brother... Jeremy J and Fiend Phoenix. We are the Raspy Voice Kids. We do the Raspy Voice Kids podcast. If you love West Virginia University, you will love our podcast. If you don't care about West Virginia University, you will love our pop culture segment. It begins every single episode. You can join in the fun anytime, any place. Get at your boys. And I am joined now by legendary Jayhawk. Uh, he is in the National College Football Hall of Fame. <laughs> Uh, Tony Sands. Tony, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. And yourself? I am doing absolutely fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You know, uh, we, we actually had one of our writers over at Rock Talk Talk do kind of a, you know, know your KU history and featured you and kind of talked about how you were one of his favorite Jayhawks growing up. So I definitely am glad to have you on here. I'm sure he's going to really enjoy this this particular episode and this particular interview. But I, I did want to ask you, um, how was it that you came from, you know, South Florida to come to Kansas? Wow. I mean, when I, when I speak about my journey to Lawrence, Kansas, and I speak about how I wanted my story to be played out when I was a young kid, my vision probably never would have went uh, uh, in that realm. But through me being not tall, not, I was five, six at the time when I, 
uh, was playing high school football in at St. Thomas Aquinas here in South Florida, which is a predominant school when it comes to putting athletes out in college and in the NFL. And I excelled at St. Thomas, excelled in Broward County, and became Broward County's all-time leading rusher. And then recruiting came. Well, it didn't go as I would envision it to go. It was a tough road for me. as a matter of fact, Coach Mason at the time, Glenn Mason, who was uh, at Kent State when Kansas was going through their coaching change, decided to hire Coach Glenn Mason. Well, Glenn Mason was recruiting me at Kent State. Despite me not wanting to go to Kent State, I can remember there were several times he came on the campus and I would not even, I would duck away from him because I felt my athletic ability was better than going to a kid state. And I wind up ducking, and one time he came on the campus, and I saw him, and I ducked, you know, back in the class. But then Coach Smith, who was my head coach at the time at St. Thomas, called me out and said, hey, I need you to come to my office. I'm like, as I'm walking, I'm like, man, I don't want to visit this guy from Kent State, <laughs> you know, at all. Because my, my dream was to go to Florida State. That was my dream school, you know, I'm here in Florida. You know, Miami was winning, you know, winning uh, national championships. uh, And I was going down there, I had the pleasure to go down there sometime and watch them practice. So that's what I was dreaming of as a young kid playing college football. Well, when he got the, when Mason got the job and he came in, I walked off, he said, listen, you know, I asked him, yeah, you coach Mason with Kansas State. He said, no, I'm with the University of Kansas now. I'm at the Big 8. And people not understanding that the Big 8 then was the SEC. Right. That's what pe- a lot of people are not realizing. We were the conference to go to. The Big 8 was the conference, if you because we were playing Smash Mouth football. We weren't playing this, this type of game that's being played now where you spread them out and sling the ball over. It was a banging contest. Well, I was only five, six, 150 pounds when I was in high school. And he said, we would like to have you to come up on a visit and see what you like. So I'm like, all right, hey, this is big time college football. Now, this is what I'm like. And all my friends were saying, man, what you want to go to Lawrence? What you want to go to Kansas? Well, ain't nothing there but Wizard of Oz, Dorothy and Toto. Right. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, and they say, man, it's, you know, it's flat out in Lawrence in Kansas. But when I got there, I got off the plane and taking a drive. I'm like, well, this seemed pretty hilly to me. I don't know where they're saying it's so flat at. Flat is what I consider in Florida. So I got up there, enjoyed the visit. I mean, when I say, you know, previously I went to Florida State, uh, Bobby Bowden wouldn't offer me. said, listen, I can offer you next year, but we don't have a scholarship for you this year. We can, you can walk on. I said, well, my athletic ability is better than that coach so I you know I need a scholarship and uh he said we couldn't offer you when I got in Lawrence and saw everything that Lawrence had to offer I mean it was unbelievable I like the Jayhawk Towers uh they was gorgeous when it said gorgeous I meant gorgeous you know here I am a kid coming from a home to where you know we had to share fans and possibly sleep on the floor so now going to a, a condo-like apartment where it is two bedrooms, a bathroom, a kitchen, everything. I love it. But the only thing that, that, that was the leery part, I said, God, they did not win in this one. But I had told myself, you know what? I want to go to this university and turn it around from a standpoint. I don't want to go to another university and be one of the good ones to come through. I want to go to a university and be one of the great ones to come through. And that was my decision. I said, I want to make this program a winning program. I came back home and, and, you know, I had told Coach Mason when he took me to the airport, I said, I'm coming to the University of Kansas. And told Coach Smith back here. And and from there, when I got on the campus, it was just like, hey, full go. Let's go. You know, after the the Auburn game, I told myself, I said, man, this is, ah, it's going to be a tough road to turn around. You know, Auburn in my first college game. But I told myself the class that I came in 
we were a bunch of guys that were understanding what it takes to win. And we were going to do whatever it takes to win. I don't care how many extra win sprints it took, how many hours of film, how many times it took us took us in the weight room to get bigger, faster, and stronger. We were willing to do it because we wanted to become winners. And we stuck together as a unit. And Scott, we started winning. We started tasting what it feel like to win. And that took us and excelled us to where we were in our coming into my senior year. Well, it came down to one game that was going to decide whether my class leave out winners or losers, and that was against the University of Missouri. And also in that game, that was a game that, you know, changed what my career was was to be. When when I had five, 58 carries, 396 yards in one game, that was unheard of. Yeah, so here definitely. I am, a guy that, here I'm a guy, five, six, 170-something pounds. And I take 58 snaps back in those days. You got to figure a football, football game was almost uh, 70 snaps at best. So I had, I had accounted for 58 of those. And we won. Understand, we, we, beat, we blew Missouri out in that game. Yeah, but not say, only that, not just one. Un- you guys won going away in that game. That, I mean, that was a phenomenal performance uh, from yeah, you. Yeah, we won away. So, we won away, but at halftime, we got to remember the game was twenty-one twenty. Right. So it wasn't a blowout all the way through the game. We realized as a unit, offense, defense, special teams, realized we was onto something special. So we all got together and said, "Listen, we're going to do this, and we're going to do it in a grand style." So I have to ask, the, there are rumors out there that in that game, like you guys, when you were getting up, going up to the line of scrimmage, that especially in that second half, you guys were telling the uh, yes. the Mizzou defense which way you guys were going to go, and they still couldn't do anything about it. Is that true? Chris Perez, Chris Perez, my tackle. He goes up to the line of scrimmage, and I, I catch wind of it, but I thought I, like, I know I ain't hearing what I'm thinking I'm hearing, but we had to run a play. It was coming your way, buddy. <laughs> that is hilarious. It's not. I'm like, we are going that way. What is he telling the guy that? We go reruns that way. Chris blows the guy off the ball. Boom, boom, boom. So when he got back to the house, I said, bro, why are you telling So why are you telling him? You, you're making it tough on somebody. Man, I don't care what they know. We're going to smash mouth on whether they know it or not. We're coming. This is where and he just kept telling, brother, we're coming your way. And they went to overload, and we, it was just, we were in a zone. And I had, listen, when I say a team effort, I had never been a part of a complete team effort in anything. And that was a complete team effort on the side of the offense, the defense, the special teams, the coaches, everybody, the fans, uh, the guys that never even got in the game. Them motivating us when we came off the field, that was a complete effort. Uh, And I think it was a turnaround in the landscape of how the University of Kansas will be recognized throughout national the national football. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so so you talked about kind of that journey to rebuild the program from where it was at the time. Like this that's actually very, you know, relevant to to fans today that are watching this Kansas yes. program and trying to get back under Lance Leipold. What what really kind of went into that? Like when when did it click that you guys actually were starting starting to see that progress, starting to get things turned around? Well, we're, we were a bunch of guys that wanted to be at the University of Kansas. And that's, that's got to weigh in a lot heavy on when recruiters go out to these schools. you got to get guys that want to be in there. And the guys that want that understands the dynamic of what it takes to turn a program around and understand that, guess what? I might not be on the other side of this from a player standpoint when it turns around. But I will be on the cutting edge of it when it do start to turn around. And you got to believe in that. Everybody's not going to be on the other side of it. But you got to be willing to build for that. And I was willing, and our guys were willing to build for it. We started seeing success as we put in more hours of work. We didn't care of what it took. We were staying on the field extra. We was demanding 
success out of each and every one of us. We was not letting each. At no point we was letting the guy slack. No, if we see you slacking, friends, let's go. We got a dream. Man. Let's go, and you're gonna hold it back because we was we knew we was all the strongest, our weakest link, and we had to make that weak link strong like everybody else. So everybody had to be accountable. I had to know what my brother was going to do and trust that he was going to get his job done. And the trusting that he was going to get his job done was a demand that I had to make sure he do during the course of the week to prepare for the upcoming opponent. So we realized that once we start putting in the time and we start seeing some wins come, we start seeing we having close games against Colorado. We started seeing we're able to stay in three quarters with teams like Nebraska. We knew then that all we had to do is continue to build each and every offseason, put in the work, demand it, push each other. We knew something was good was going to come out of this. Awesome. All right, so I do want to ask, though, outside of that Missouri game, because that's obviously the game you're most well-known for. That's the one that everybody points yes. to at that time frame. But what is your favorite memory, whether it's in-game or just you know something you guys were doing while you were there at the school – Outside of that Missouri game, like what was your your favorite memory of your time at KU? Well, uh, it was a K State game, and we were down in Manhattan. I, I want to say this was my sophomore year because I had a thousand yards rushing in my sophomore year. My sophomore year was my breakout year for the Big Eight. I had two long, one was like sixty, and one was like seventy yard run to help us beat K State. In Manhattan, that game there was a special game for me because we were down there. That's when I started realizing and understanding this rivalry thing between Kansas and Kansas State was when we went to Manhattan. It was my sophomore year, and I went down there and broke that broke that game wide open. I knew then how intense that this game was, and that outside of that Missouri game, that was the one game. Uh, that stood out to me. As a matter of fact, I, I got that tape, uh, that VHS, in my on my desk, in my file cabinet, in my office at home. Man, yeah, it, it must have made a really big impression to still have that yes, and, and be able to go back and watch that. So, yes, it, I get a chance now to go back and show it to my grandchildren uh, and let them see. And even some of the young athletes that I trained, I showed them that that hey, listen. You know, coach wasn't bad at what he did. So when he's giving you advice, it's, it's a little, it's okay to take it. So, you know, sometimes you train young guys and, and, and everything is not on Google. So the only thing they can do is read a little bit, but to actually see how you were able to play and why you demand certain things out of them is big. So that game meant sure. a heck of a lot to me. And like I said, and we won as a unit. Anytime, you know, there's certain games, I remember when I broke, um, Gale's sales record. I broke Gale's sales record down in in Oklahoma. Gale says I broke his record down in uh, Oklahoma. That was right. big for me, but we didn't win that game. So that's why that game probably does not resonate with me as much. The games that you win and you do great in, they carry a lot more with you than the games that you may set records and not win because the ultimate thing about team is team winning, not individual stats. Yeah. I, I definitely think that's something that we, that we've lost in terms of the way we talk about the game now, because you know, all of the, all of the individual stats that people accrue and you know, all the records that they hold now, yes. th there's so much that goes into it from the rest of the team, especially, you know, looking at, at offensive records, like, you know, offensive line is so important for any kind of running back yes. or any quarterback to be able to do what they do. And so, you know, I, I definitely agree. It's, it's great to think about it in kind of that context of everybody is involved and everybody yes. is enabling those people who hold those records to actually get there. So I, I do want to ask Correct. you real quick, uh, because after your time at KU, you did have a brief stint in the NFL with the Cardinals, and then you came back and actually coached yes. for a little bit. What was that yes. experience like for you before you were out of football from a, you know, coaching and playing side? Uh, I mean, I enjoyed that. Uh, it was an enjoyable experience, but, and during, during that time, I learned that I love playing football 
but actually coaching the game, I didn't love coaching the game. I didn't love, I didn't love the hours that it took. I remember I went back to Coach Mason and asked and thanked him for the opportunity, but I told him, you know, Coach, I would like to go into the weight room. I would like to go into the strength and conditioning part of this part of building team. And I transferred into the weight room. And when I got in the weight room, one of my jobs were, the first assignment that Coach Roll gave me was to assist with the basketball program with Coach Roy Williams. And, man, to get up in the morning and coach basketball players, guys that are more laid back than football players, was a testament to how I loved training athletes versus coaching athletes from the field standpoint. I love waking up with Greg Ostertag. I love waking up with Paul Pierce, guys like that. I love that experience. And to hear the feedback that I was getting from Coach Williams, hey, you got my guys motivated. My guys love coming to the weight room. What is it that you're doing? I was just taking what I knew as exciting. People worked implemented with that group. And from my, my first two guys that I really started training on the side was Dana Stubberfield and Gilbert Brown. And they asked me, would I train them in the combine prepping stuff? And I trained them doing the combine, and one went to the, in the first round, one went in the second round, and I, at that point was when I told myself, I probably want to take this back home and start something that's not going on back in South Florida, and that's personal training and, 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 and training athletes. And that's what made me uh, move back to the state of Florida. Yeah. So real quick, before we get into that, I, I do want to ask, because I hadn't realized you actually had worked with the basketball players. Was there a yes. particular story or a particular person that you really enjoyed working with the most while you were doing that? Uh, yeah, just being able to, not from a training, from a professional standpoint, just being able to work side by side with Coach Roy Williams. You know, it was, it was so exciting. That was the most exciting part about this whole thing was working with side by side with Coach Roy Williams was exciting. You know, that was yeah. when you were talking about, you know, elite of the elite. To be able to work side by side with Coach Roy Williams, man, it was unbelievable. All right. So so you did talk about, you know, you moved back to South Florida, started working with players, uh, you know, both both NFL players and like high school players. Um yes. you know, what what was like the main thing that you were trying to do there? Like what was, what was the main goal when you started that? And, and how have you kind of seen that change as you've gone through time doing, doing what you do? Oh, wow. The main thing I wanted to do when I started, I had a dream that I wanted to become one of the greatest trainers in the country. And so what I did was, you know, when I moved back here, here I am now telling myself, man, I got to start this business all over again. Wow, I got to start all over again from scratch. So I started training athletes for free. One of them was a relative of And then I was training in the park, and one of my first guys was, as a matter of fact, he's with the Dallas Cowboys now, was Al Harris of the Green. He was with the Green. He was with Philadelphia at the time. He was, no, he, as a matter of fact, he got released by Tampa. He got released by Tampa. And Tampa released him. He came back home and he said, Coach, I want to, you know, they said I'm not good enough. Well, I showed him and proved it to him that, you, that you were good enough. Um, 20 on the blue truck. And I told him that he was. And at that point, hey, he went and had a Pro Bowl career and right now is in the College Hall of Fame. And I used that and we kept working, kept grinding. And now here I am, some uh, ooh, decades later, and now. I'm in a 21, I own my own 21,000 square foot training performance center. So it was just being able to put in the time and work that made us who, you know, who I am. I was willing to outwork everything. That was uh, the attitude that I had. I, you know, when they're working, I'm working. When they're sleeping, I'm working. They're never going to outwork me. So that was my, that was my model. That was I was what I believed in. That was I was I was going to stay with and. And it, and it worked. And I teach kids that every each and every day. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you do work obviously with with like you said, you know, younger kids, 
sounds like college yes. age and then also professional. Um, yes. you know, do you, do you have an age group or like a, a, a situation that you like to work with more that you think you can, can get through more or, or, or do more with, or do they each bring something completely different that, that you enjoy? They each bring something different. When I look at like now I've spent, I just watched 25, 25 lacrosse girls sign at our facility that I had a, been a part of training. 25 wow. lacrosse girls. When you're talking about one class and you have had the opportunity to help 25 girls get college scholarships from all over the country, Ohio State, Michigan, Louisville, you name it, they were represented in this process. So, you know, when I looked at it, I, I, I and believe it or not, I love now when I got girls, I love working with females from a standpoint of females are easy to work with because they don't think strength. Males think strength. Females think technique. And it's a lot easier. They don't have that, that tough person mentality that I know it all and they're willing to take uh, training and that helps it a great deal. So I love working. If you said now, I would tell you I love working with females better. Makes sense. <laughs> so, so I, I, I do want to talk about the book. You know, the book. Uh, yeah. I, I, I was before my time. You know, it talks about yeah. your your upbringing. Um, you know, your your struggles with mental health and kind of everything yeah. that went along with all of that. What What was the main reason that you wanted to write this book? I had been contemplating writing the book, but it wasn't. I was scared to tell my story. What I was asked at one point to to do a documentary on my life by a local station here. And I was hesitant to do it, but I went ahead and did it anyway. And I said, you know what, I'm going to try this. Maybe this may work. Maybe this may be uh, something good. And, I, and they released it, and it did well. And they sent me the uncut version of the story. So what I did was I took it and uploaded it up on Facebook just to see what happened. And it hit over 80,000 viewers. What I talked about, all my, my journey of life in that documentary, all the things I went through, the struggles of coming out of South Florida, coming out of, you know, drug-infested areas here in South Florida, considered some of the meanest streets uh, in South Florida. And when it took off and went that big, and I got uh, parents calling me saying, hey, would you talk to my son? Or I'm going to sit down with all five of my boys, and we watched this documentary after we had have dinner. That resonated with me that I had a story to tell that people will be willing to listen to overcoming odds, to overcoming uh, uh, triumphs in your life and trying to get it on the right track to become successful. It led me to writing a book. I would write each and every day, just write. But I had never got to a point to where I was ready to put it into a book until after the Bryce Gowdy situation. Uh, and when that happened to where the young man, you know, uh, when he committed suicide 48 hours before he was getting ready to go to Georgia Tech and he was one of Georgia Tech's number one recruits, right? I said, you know what, let me not hold back anymore. Let me put this in full motion. I put it in full motion. I speak about uh, how I wanted to commit suicide and how I was planning on doing it and why uh, – my mind went there because so many people don't realize something. They see you on the outside, but they don't understand the struggles that one goes through on the inside. And I was dealing with that. I, I, I hated football after I left the game. I would not watch. I didn't watch football for like two, three years. And just that being rejected, just that killing my self-esteem. You, you know, I said, you have, I did everything that they had asked for me in college. When you asked I rushed for thousands of yards. I was the big eight player of the year. I did everything that they asked. And the one question when I, if someone does everything you ask, you expect to have a reward on the back end. My reward was to be able to uh, uh, play and have a good long career. Well, at that time in the NFL, they wasn't accepting backs that were uh, uh, five, six, 170 right. pounds it was unheard of to be in the NFL and to be that small. So, you know, that triggered all my past traumas and my childhood that came up 
and and it took me to it took me in some dark holes uh, of my life. Like I said, I, I wanted to take a gun and and, and just commit suicide and, and just end it because I felt that I had let a lot of people down. And 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 in that, I was able to I got into what we call I became a therapist with with substance abuse. Well, in the process of healing. These, the, the women and the men that I was talking to, I found myself dealing with the same issues. So I found myself healing myself through healing others, trying to direct them out of their substance abuse issues and the things that they deal with, I was dealing with. So I found myself opening up even to my wife on what I was dealing with. And I think that started, that triggered my ability to get better and to find the resources that I needed to do to get in order to get better and deal with what I was dealing with. Yeah, definitely. And, and I mean, you know, it, it is one of those things where I've definitely found that as I'm, you know, struggling with things that I, I often see the issues I'm struggling with in other people. And so as I'm helping yeah. them, I also help myself. I think that that's one of the yeah. big messages to come out of your book. Um, yes. you know, kind of just talking about that experience, you know, th there has been a big uptick recently of mental health awareness, especially in athletics. Um, and well, while I don't want to ask about any, you know, specific individual people or anything like that, what have your thoughts been on this particular trend? It's, it's encouraging to me, but what are your thoughts in terms of players that are more willing to talk about their mental health situation while they're actively playing, you know, guys have actually, or players have actually taken off games or competitions to deal with yes. the mental health problems that they're dealing with. Like how, how, uh, you know, how, how excited are you that this kind of arena is being pushed forward for players to be able to talk about these issues now, instead of waiting until after they're done playing? I'm glad to see. And I tell people once they put a title to it, a real title, because in, in where I'm from in the inner city, a person that, if even spoke that they had an issue back in the day, they was considered crazy. They were considered loco. They ain't got them all. And so with those negative stigmas that were put on it, people was reluctant to speak up and say, hey, you know, I got a problem. I need some help. How do I navigate through this? Maybe I need to step back from some things. Step back in order to take steps forward. I got to step back and get help. Well, to see the way this trend is going, not only do it help athletes, it helps the everyday person that are dealing with struggles to see that athletes, and especially in football, because we're looked at as gladiators, that we're supposed to be these big men that we deal with nothing. But we're human too. So to see that these athletes, and I know some of my guys that have pretty much walked away from the league for a while, just recently, that I've trained, they're saying, you know what, I got to deal with this first. In order for me to continue with my career, I got to step back and handle what is going on with me mentally before I can continue the success physically. So it is helping everyone because now, you know, once, you, once athletes start a movement, it wakes up everybody because everybody looks like as athletes as those ones, either they make if they make a lot of money, they're still supposed to have it all. But they don't. Money doesn't make you mentally competent. It doesn't. It doesn't solve everything that a human is dealing with. Because in the darkness of the night, money can't pay, pay your way out of this mental health thing. You got to step back and get help. So to see the way this thing is, the trend that is going and and, and knowing that it is helping, because I hear it. I have a young lady that I helped. Uh, she was going, she blew a knee out, and she was going through a mental health crisis. I had to go to her house to help her with what she was dealing with. And to see that it is blessing others is a great thing. And I hope other athletes continue to speak out and not be afraid. And our societies. It's got to be open to this. Sometimes I hear on, on sports talk radio and sports talk, period. When a guy make a decision or a girl or athlete, period, make a decision, they, 
sometimes they got they, they, they gotta be a little tactful in the way that they speak about these athletes that are saying these things about themselves that hey, when I got stuff like I gotta deal with my mental health. Let's not beat them down. Right. Because if you continue if you beat those ones down, other ones are not going to want to come out and stand up. Praise those people for being a man or lady and accepting that I got a problem because we all come from it. We all deal with past traumas, whether we want to accept them or we don't. But once we accept them, we're able to move on and we're able to be blessed to others. So I'm, I'm, I'm proud of it. I'm excited that this movement is taking place and it's continuing. Because now you're hearing people say, hey, listen, I got to deal with my mental health problems. And it's becoming acceptable. And it's not coming to where you can't speak on it. So I'm excited. For sure. So, so you did mention the the Bryce Gowdy situation, and and part yeah. of the reason we wanted to bring you on is, you know, later this month because it is National Mental Health Awareness Month. Um, later this month, ESPN does have a documentary coming out talking about Bryce Gowdy um, and kind of that that entire situation, which you are featured heavily in. I, I did want to yeah. ask, like, how how did that documentary come to be? Were you involved in the planning of it, or did they approach you and want you to to you know talk about it because you were so close to to, to Bryce? They approached me. I, as a matter of fact, uh, ESPN, the producer that's producing this, came up to me, called me and said, hey, you know, I'm from ESPN. Uh, you know, we're doing a documentary on Bryce Gowdy. And I said, okay, at first I was kind of, you know, hesitant. You know, right. and then I just said, well, no, it's the, no, no, no. Um, this is all, I said, well, what's going, what's, the, you know, involved in it? She would say, no, we're just speaking out on it to where we can bring light to it. Because it was tragic, she said. But the one thing that stood out to me and my team is that Bryce committed to Georgia Tech on my radio show here. Right. And she said, as we were listening to it, it was a couple things that stood out to us. And she said, the time that I asked him, well, "What are you going to do when you can't?" Call your mom in the next room when you want to deal with something. What is that going to be like? And I asked him again, what is it going to be like when you're, you see the taillights of your mom's car pulling out of that university? And you know at that point, you know, you got to stand on your own. And he said, no, coach, I'm ready. You know, hey, I'm excited about it. Probably deep down inside, this kid was struggling with this. But me not knowing. And God was, she actually said, it's like you knew something. I said, no, I knew nothing. I knew nothing about it. She said, because she said, it brings tears to my, to me. She said, I'm telling you, when I watch it, even now speaking to you about it, it brought, it's bringing goosebumps to me. That's what she was, the producer said. She said, it's like, wow. And when she said it, I said, yep, yeah, I'm open for it. And we did a couple of, you know, shootings and things like that of dealing with it. I've been speaking at his foundations uh, that his mom started in his name to helping other young athletes. And I even hear, I've seen the movement here in Broward County public school system at the way that they're dealing with now the mental health with athletes. So it's been a positive, and, and I told, just like I tell his mom all the time, any time that you need me to speak, at any of your foundation functions, let me know. And I'm game for it 100%. Uh, through the book, I have been able to uh, reach out to several people because the one thing they say in your book, you're very transparent about your life. You didn't leave nothing. And a lot of people come up to me and say, we didn't know that about you. We didn't know this about you. We didn't know that about you. Because every time they see me or what they've read about me, it seemed to be successful. They had never knew that I was dealing with a struggle such as suicide because of, you know, you're an athlete, you're supposed to have it all together, but we don't. So, you know, I was glad that I could be an assistance to any uh, young man or young lady that is, that is dealing with their mental health to see that, you know, some of my athletes said, Coach, man, you, you've helped me out of a lot of dark areas. I get calls from my pro guys. If they're in the situation, They'll call me, and I've guided them out of certain situations. So it's a continuing process that I love 
that we are on at this point. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, so, so people that do read the book or people that are going to be watching this documentary later this, this month, you know, uh, from, from what I understand, it does come out on the, on the 29th. I don't actually have the time that it's going to air, but, um, you know, what is the message that you want people to take away from those? That is okay to say, I don't have it all. And it's okay to reach out to get help because through your help, not only are you healing yourself, but you are healing those that are around you. It is okay to say that I don't have it all. And that is the message that I want everyone to take from uh, this documentary that will come out on November 29th with the experience that, hey, it's okay. Everybody deals with their own traumas. But the number one thing is in order for us to help ourselves, we got to be able to accept that we have an issue and it's okay to reach out to get the help for the issue. So that's what I want to come out of all of this is that because that is the number one key thing to all this. For sure. So obviously November is national mental health awareness month. Um, you know, that, that is a very powerful message to leave everyone with. Yes. We do want you guys, if you are listening to this, you are having problems. You do need to speak with someone. You, you, you are not alone. Help is available. If you need to talk with someone, you can call 1-800-273-TALK or visit suicidepreventionlifeline.org to get some help there. Also, if you head over to brycegowdy.org, you can visit the Bryce Gowdy Foundation website. Uh, you can make a contribution there. You can see about all the all all the different things that they are doing over there. Um, Tony, just one last question for you: for, for those that do want to read your book, what is the best way for them to 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 find that and to be able to get a, their hands on a copy? Uh, they can go to Amazon Prime and they can order it on Amazon Prime. Perfect. And uh, I would love for everyone to get a chance to read it, uh, get a chance to see uh, how one builds themselves up, but it's not those that. When you get knocked down, is how you're able to build yourself up dictates the success that anyone has. Awesome. Well, Tony, thank, thank you so much for joining us today. No problem. Thank you, guys. And Rock Talk Jayhawk, KU. Podcast Network.